Welcome to the CompTIA BizTech Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders across our communities and councils to discuss business challenges, opportunities, and strategies for success. Greetings and welcome back to our BizTech Podcast series, as always brought to you by your CompTIA Business of Technology communities worldwide. My name is Gary Bixler, and again, I'm excited to be your host today where each week we'll be bringing you a new podcast around interesting topics related to the business of tech. Each of these podcasts will be brought to you by one of our unique CompTIA member communities from around the world. And if you want to be involved in one of those communities but aren't already officially a member, we'd love to have you. Uh, you can join us and find your community on our website at comptia.org. So today we've got a really exciting uh, podcast, actually part one of a two-part podcast that has been sponsored by our IT security community. So I'd like to bring in now the uh, manager and leader of that IT security community for CompTIA, Miles Jobgen. Welcome, Miles. Gary, thanks for having me again. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, always, always a good time when we were able to get together with you. And the last time we spoke, I was uh, interested to hear uh, an update on your windmill project, which I understand now is finished. So uh, I think we've covered the ground on your windmill. I'm still fascinated that you took that <laughs> on and, and can't wait to see it in person someday, hopefully. But I wanted to ask you about another one of your passions that I've learned about as we've gotten to know each other over the last few months, and that is music. And tell us a little bit about kind of your background with music, where that passion came from and how it maybe developed for you. Sure. You know, it's kind of funny. Both of my, my kids now are in orchestra and, uh, you know, full on. And so was my sure. wife or, you know, at the time in, in, in high school. And when I was first introduced, you know, and I think what fourth or fifth grade, right. You, everybody pulls you into the gym and then they hand you an instrument and say, here, this is what you're going to play for the rest of your life. <laughs> and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to play the coronet, you know, like a horn, right. Yeah, and and our music instructor to, was kind enough to inform me that because I had an overbite, there was no way I was ever going to be able to make a sound out of this thing, and he gave me a viola, and I'm like, this isn't even a violin, and so <laughs> I, <laughs> I left, um, and uh, regrettably, quite honestly, because now my daughter, my oldest, plays viola and she loves it, but anyway, uh, so. I had kind of rejected music at that time and making it and playing it. Although, you know, I really got into it. My older brother, you know, got me into all the great stuff, you know, Ozzy Osbourne and, and Iron Maiden and things like that. But, uh, and so then I, you know, got older and, and went into college and, and met some people who had been musicians their whole life and just kind of started hanging around with them. And through that, I, I'm like, well, this is fun to hang out with you guys, but I got to do something. So I bought a harmonica and I learned how to play harmonica. Uh, I taught myself how to do that. We kept kind of going with a bunch of us together. And then over time, our, one of our, the guys who played guitar, he's, he just kind of got busy, you know, he's got kids coming and all that stuff. And so he's like, all right, guys, I got to step back. And then the rest of us were like, well, who's going to play guitar? So I decided to learn how to play guitar. And so that was about maybe, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago, maybe. Um, and I, I kind of taught myself on that. And now because I was able to do that, like we're all still able to keep playing and, and hanging out together. Well, a little bit rougher right now, but... Um, but it's just kind of grown from that. And, and now, quite honestly, my new uh, quarantine project is teaching myself how to play the piano. So um, I just kind of keep right. trying to add this on and, and each piece has taught me something new. It's been really cool. Harmonica 
introduced me to the concept of keys and you know how the the the, the formula for the right. skills yeah. guitar opened my mind to you know all of that and then the piano is kind of re-anchoring me down and really teaching me those core fundamentals of how the chords are structured and things like that so it's been really yeah. really that's awesome yeah so you're um you're interesting one of those rare people that kind of you know walked away from music early but then rediscovered it you know in your early young adulthood and uh, it's kind of taken off so i was i uh, had a similar story but you know and, and i i remember that you know experience in the gym and actually wanting to play trumpet or cornet as well you know i got handed a saxophone i can't remember what the excuse was but so i ended up being a, a, a band member through junior high and high school uh playing the saxophone and uh, i actually dug my saxophone out of the attic a few years ago took it down to the local music store had it rebuilt and repadded and i started trying to play again and my wife put a stop to that pretty quickly <laughs> <laughs> so that's my sad uh, end to the story it's like no more saxophone playing to me so i ended up actually selling that sax to a, another young student because i had it rebuilt i mean it was a beautiful horn so sure. um so hopefully she's enjoying it now so music is uh, obviously a really special part of of all of our lives uh, it's something we want to do and uh, in order to do that we've got to Make sure we take care of our business and stay secure. So how's that for a transition? Into there you go. Security? We'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this was uh, a really interesting session that you put together, uh, Miles. And I know we put this together for one of our community meetings, uh, actually this summer uh, that happened earlier. And so we're going to repurpose it into this podcast today, which I'm really excited about. And it's, to me, kind of one of the first themes that emerges here is kind of the theme around exposing uh, the security knowledge gaps and maybe you know, getting beyond the basics for some of the providers, MSPs and MSSPs uh, that are you know, kind of forced into emergency action as we kind of go into this uh, work from home environment that we're in now. Is that kind of how you saw the first part of this? Yeah, very much so. So yeah, as you said, this was from our, uh, our June 24th virtual community meeting. I uh, took a portion of that out of here because it was a, just a great conversation around, um, you know, security and how it's like, like, ah, everybody panicked and went and then security admittedly kind of went by the wayside. And now how can we, you know, reapproach it and think about it in ways that would allow for that, you know, kind of that back and forth transition. And at the same time, being able to be flexible, you know, it, later on as we get into the part two as well, we'll, you know, kind of get into, you know, is it best for you to take the, um, you know, take that path on your own and, and, and forge into security or should you be looking for somebody who, who already has that skill set and can, um, you know, can help you there. So the, yeah, right. definitely starts in with the, with the talent gap and kind of, you know, how can we secure our, our staff, you know, making sure that we know that the people is a big piece of all of this, of course. So that security awareness training is a big thing of this. But, um, you know, knowing that that we are handlers of the data and uh, being prepared to protect that and have ways to do that and, and thinking about it from a risk management standpoint, right? If I'm not going to um, spend all this money, okay, well, where can I put my best bang for my buck? Right. Yeah. So, so important and such an interesting topic for us uh, as we sit here today. So I'm really excited to have you uh, kind of champion this session with these guys and such a great uh, panel, uh, some really 
important people that are getting it done on the streets. So uh, without further ado, Miles, why don't you introduce us to the, uh, the session and let's get started. Sure. So this was a, a panel that we had, like I mentioned, on uh, June 24th as part of our virtual community meeting. Um, Mark Geary is managing director with Rally Point, and he is talks with Robert Bowles, Kevin Rubin, and Vince Chrysler, who you'll be introduced to and get to meet in here as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so we broke it up into a couple parts to make it easy for you to listen to and, and tune in. And if you are interested in seeing the whole thing, this is available on demand with video uh, through the CompTIA website, so you can check it out there as well. But with that, I introduce you to our meeting. Um, We've had a, a fun year so far trying to deal with, with everything that I guess fun's an odd term, but we've had a challenging year, right? And so um, what I'd like to do is, is, is bring in uh, our chair, uh, Neil Bradbury, and, and just kind of, you know, welcome to the, to the meeting and, and say hey to everybody and, you know, uh, <clears throat> share some of the stuff you're seeing out there when you hear it. Thanks, Miles. Hey, everybody. No, on, on uh, behalf of the entire Security Executive Council, you know, we thank you for taking time out of your busy day and your schedules to join us today. Um, the experts that you'll hear from on the panel come from uh, a varying degree of different backgrounds. They've got different um, battle scars in security, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can bring um, today uh, to, to hopefully educate you. As I say with every one of these webinars, podcasts, you know, you're not looking to memorize the entire thing. If there's one nugget of knowledge, just one that you can take from this and apply it in your business, um, you know, then this was a successful spending of your a time of your lunch or your afternoon, your morning coffee break. Um, over the past couple of months, you know, new normal is, uh, we'll probably say that phrase a couple of times, but um, it has been interesting times for sure. Uh, people are working from home more so than they have been. Uh, businesses have been shut down. Uh, now we're in the phase where we're starting to open everything back up. Uh, in the beginning for us, you know, as I look at what was happening and how it was affecting the MSPs, you started to basically see, okay, states are implementing restrictions. I now have to take my entire business and run it remotely. Well, I don't know about you, but I've talked with a lot of small business owners. Um, they don't like running businesses remotely. How do they look at their employees? How do they track their employees? How do they make sure they're doing their jobs? There was also a scramble of people running to Best Buy or pick your favorite vendor uh, for where they're going to go and get IT resources. And what they expected was the MSPs were just going to glue it all together. And they called their technology service provider and said, help me. I just bought 30 things from a store. I need you to set up my employees to run remote. Now, not all businesses were in that scenario. Some were set up to work remotely and everything was fine. They just transitioned and um, they were able to keep operating. Like anything, you know, there's some data behind this. Uh, CompTIA did, a, re uh, did a, a few research uh, studies over the past couple of months. You know, one of them from March basically said, you know, that 85% of those that commented said most of their employees were working remotely, okay? Of those, there was also financial impact. 30% uh, said that their actual customers were calling them to either restructure a contract or maybe change payment terms, net 30 to net 60. Uh, a bit more than half uh, on the negative side, said, look, that project we were going to do, I want to postpone it. But it wasn't all negative, and this is what, what ended up happening. Here we are today on a virtual meeting. I don't even know how many hours I have spent on a collaboration platform in the past four months, more so than I did. And I'm, a, I'm an at-work, at-home employee, by the way, <laughs> and I've been on more Zoom meetings than I care to mention. But opportunities existed, right? Businesses were shifting to the cloud. Why do I need on-prem servers anymore? Um, help me. Collaboration solutions. Pick your vendor. It doesn't matter. They wanted to be able to collaborate. 
cybersecurity, whether it's the implications of those projects or they just need, knew they needed to upgrade their cybersecurity solutions because it's not like we're doing social distancing between the home Xbox and the work computer, okay? They're all on the same network and they all need, and we needed to get the job done, right? And so this is where this panel hopefully will provide some insight in their experience on what they've done with customers, um, whether it's, you know, managing uh, alerts coming off a firewall, helping someone implement security solutions or, or you know, manage service uh, type tasks from on the knock and help desk side. So, you know, with that, I, I, Mark, I, I want to throw it to you. You know, you have a varying degree of experience and I, you're our host for today's session. Does what I kind of intro is it resonating? I mean, is that what you saw when you were working with businesses over the past couple of months? I mean, we truly are in an interesting times here with uh, managed service providers having to set up their MSP stacks for the future over the next six months. Yeah, I think there's there's been a few things that have been going on here. One is a lot of pressure has been put to the MSP, and not just the MSP community, but the MSSP community, so the cybersecurity side saying, customers are saying, wait a minute, I got data I still got to protect. I don't know where people are going to be. I don't know what they're going to be doing. So there's been this very much of an, an increase in pressure to go and deliver that. Having said that, I think what we've not realized has been there's been opportunities. Yes, some people can't pay their money because their, their, their business is not doing well, but others are really looking to expand cybersecurity. So if you're in the cyber world and, and there's opportunities there to go in and bring best bang for the security buck and say, hey, Mr. Customer, I know you're going to go do this. Let me help you in this way. So let's offset some of your monies paid over here to make it more, um, make you more resilient and make it more viable for you in the short term. Obviously, that's going to extend in the long term, people understanding data, the, the requirements of protecting their data, and so on and so forth. So I think this new normal it's not really a new normal. This has been going on for a while where data protection has been a key uh, important aspect of cybersecurity. I think this is just bringing it more to the forefront, Neil. No, that's absolutely a fair point. Um, and I do think, you know, if an MSP has not evaluated their MSP stack or their security stack, right, this was a, an event that, ca that caused them to do so. Uh, am I doing the right things? Am I practicing what I preach? Uh, etc. So total, totally agree with you. I think with that, I mean, let, I'll hand it to you and you can introduce our panel. And again, on behalf of the entire Security Executive Council, thank you so much for joining today. And I look forward to uh, being educated from our awesome panelists. Thank you so much. Thanks, Neil. Um, so just to introduce uh, our panel here, and I'll, I'll read it out because I haven't memorized each one of these guys' little taglines and stuff. But uh, Rob Boyle is the president uh, and founder of BlockWorks. Really, BlockWorks is bringing everything that fits together from a cybersecurity perspective and giving the end user a positive experience. Not even just the end user, but the MSPs as well. He's very dedicated in what he does and really doesn't mess around when it comes to cybersecurity. Um, Kevin, interestingly enough, at Stratosphere Networks, uh, as president and CIO, gets to build security stacks, gets to deliver these security solutions as well to customers as an MSSP. Um, and gets to see the day-to-day -day what's required, what's out there from customers, um, and does some very cool services. Um, let's move over to, to Vince, who's the CEO and founder of Darkcube. Um, Vince gets to sit behind the scenes as a tool guy and deliver not just a tool, but a tool as a service to MSPs and MSSPs to be able to help them spend their time in the right places. 
not get distracted by a bunch of, I'm going to say the word crap, but a bunch of alerts that may or may not be relevant. So Vince distills that all down um, and, and brings that to his partners. Again, th this panel that we have today, they've been there, done that in the world, and you're going to get some really cool stuff out of here. Um, but understand they're very diligent and, and they, they don't mess around when it comes to cybersecurity. These are believers. These are, these are guys that live, eat, sleep, and drink this. So panel, welcome. Uh, I'm glad to have you here today. Um, and, and, you know, in, in this, this whole new normal, these seems to be the words that we're talking about here. Um, really what I want to talk about is cybersecurity as part of the new normal in the remote working. Um, so I'll throw it out to the panel and feel free, generally, whoever wants to start talking. But what I'd like to understand is the general security knowledge gaps that you're going to face as part of this pushing this hybrid environment out to the home user. I can, I can jump in first, I suppose. Uh, you know, I, I think the term new normal makes sense. I think another way to think about this is just a preview of the future. You know, I, I think the folks I've been spending time with and, and thinking kind of long-term horizon here, you know, in three to five years, this is how the world was expected to operate is this idea of enterprises and people in an office starting to erode away, kind of having those fixed costs of real estate just doesn't make sense when people can work from home. I think the biggest thing holding everybody back was this thing that you can't do this remotely. It doesn't work to do this remotely. And we've discovered over the last three to four months that it does. And so, you know, I think to level set here, first off, this is the way the world is going to operate in the future. And there's not going to be a going, there, there'll be some going back to the old model, but we need to update the way we think about security from a model perspective to accommodate mobile, to accommodate people working from anywhere, to accommodate a lot of lack of visibility of endpoints and data. And how do you wrap a security architecture around that? Well, guys, it's really, there's no more perimeter, right? Let's, let's be clear on that. There, nope. there, you're effectively in business. It used to be you had a network, you had a perimeter, you could control everything. But now with the billions of phones out there and data moving everywhere, effectively, perimeter is non-existent. Yep. Completely agree. You, you know, in, in 2020, we were looking at it being a big year in security for business, any type of business, not only compliance or regulatory required businesses, but small to medium-sized businesses or businesses that didn't have some requirement. Then the C-19 thing happened, and in essence, it was a free-for-all to save their business to work from home. So that kind of opened up a larger risk and a, a larger a gap that we, we as security technologists have to continue to evolve and continue to reduce that risk. But I think a lot of businesses um, uh, opened their, their, their risk up um, with the move uh, to work from home. So let's talk about that just for a second. So if you're an MSP or an MSSP and you're running yourself, you have a security operations center, right? And most SOCs are um, centralized. You have a team um, and that, that unit, they're working together to address incidents. Is that something, so take away the customer businesses working from home and let's talk about the MSSPs and MSPs working from home. What are you all seeing from a SOC perspective with your MSP, MSSP partners? Are they dispersing their SOCs? Are, how are they dealing with that? Well, let's go back to the 
the previous question before answering that. You know, I do agree that the edge is, is no longer the focal point, but the technology that's been leveraged at the edge is still very much relevant. Um, when you consider users working from home in unpredictable environments, I mean, even right now, uh, I'm on vacation with my family this week and my expected connectivity wasn't available. So now I'm, I'm back at the hotel and, and they're running WEP for encryption, which is, can you even call it encryption or protection anymore? You know, it, it stops maybe the most simple uh, person from connecting, but in general, WEP is, is worthless. Uh, but that's the environment that's out there. So in order to account for all of these variable environments at home users, work from home, work remotely, you know, we used to be concerned about the coffee shop, the airport, the hotel, but now it's, it's unilateral. So the technology that is present in a traditional edge, and when I refer to that, I specifically speak of next-gen firewalls, that gives you the ability to extend that traditional edge protection out to those users via, you know, remote access, like uh, we're a Palo partner, so Global Protect. I know Fortinet has a strong remote client. Um, so the ability to take that zero-day protection, that next-gen firewall, and protect those users in the homes, essentially protecting those machines from even the, the home environment is still relevant. Now, you'd ask the question about MSPs. You know, my observation and what we've seen, and just for clarity, BlockWorks is a master MSSP. Uh, so we only work with MSPs. But what I've observed is, you know, what COVID really did was expose the shortcomings that many MSPs already had. Uh, they weren't prepared for the level of security they would need. They weren't prepared uh, to secure their remote workers any more than they were their clients. So they were doing the double dance of trying to tighten their own ship up while also tighten their clients up. And, you know, the simple things that could have been done all of a sudden became critical. And when I say simple, I mean, even just like geo-blocking 365 login ability or 2FA. None of that should have been a scramble. So, so the basics, right, Robert? They, I mean, yeah. the, the basics have not really been done. Exactly. Just the fundamentals. And not even to the extent of working within compliances where it was required to document to be able to prove you were doing it. But, I mean, just even as a best practice. Uh, so there's a huge, huge, huge scramble just to get up to par, you know, even from the most basic level of security. And there's, a, there's effectively a cost-benefit analysis that has to be done. If you're an MSP, right, and, and you're working, you've got to figure out where you're going to spend. You've got margins to make. You've got top-line revenue and all this. Where are you going to spend your money? How are you going to reduce your cost? But the, the, the cost-benefit analysis of if you're not secure as an MSP and your customers get breached, effectively, you're going to lose those customers. Right? So, yeah, that as a master MSP, how do you have that conversation with MSPs? Uh, actually, it's pretty easy. You know, we, <laughs> me personally, I've spent a lot of time educating, you know, helping secure uh, entities is, is, for me, it's a higher purpose. You know, we talk about these, these folks on this panel are, are hardcore and, you know, there's no doubt on that, but I like, to me, it's personal. And I reflect back on my time securing enterprise clients, and I always knew that 
whoever I was talking to or interacting with the stakeholder, they had somewhere else they wanted to be. And it wasn't at work. It wasn't managing computers. They had a family, a dog, a hobby or something. And so we always took that ability to support them seriously. And so as we're working with MSPs and having this conversation, the reality is the MSPs who have a vision, who see out, see what's happening, the landscape's changing. Um, they're making the investment in greater protections for their clients, knowing that the ones who aren't are the ones who are being compromised and having these mass ransomware events. And, you know, let's be honest, I used to joke that misconfiguring something was an RGE, a resume generating event. Well, now if you own an MSP and, and you're not securing your clients, that's, it's an RGE, right? So, yeah. So Kevin, um, so quick conversation about you, you're more customer facing than MSP facing. Uh, you're not a master MSP. So talk to me about what you're saying to your customers when it comes to not just basics and fundamentals of technology and deployment of technology and so on and so forth, but resiliency at the end user. So customer awareness training, what are you talking to them about? How are you guiding them in their, their buying patterns? Um, it's a, that's a that's a really good question. So, um, what we did is we took a proactive approach to talking, you know, talking about security to all our IT clientele. Um, it was more of you know these things are required to keep keep you safe and safeguard your business. At the end of the day, I don't write the you know I don't write the checks for their business. So. Um, you know, it's it's a budget thing. It's an investment, like Robert said. Uh, I think from a ch I think the challenging point for MSPs as well as end end user customers is that where does the budget come from? And um, it's educating the customer on making an actual security budget. Uh, large enterprise that do have like CISOs on staff, they do have the budget already, but. All other businesses don't have the budget carved out. So are they going to steal from the IT infrastructure budget? Where does that come from? So you have to work hard to educate the business. And unfortunately, from time to time, the slow movers, um, it takes one click on a phishing attempt to, to, to get hacked to have cli you know, clients pay attention. Um, you know, to, to, to heightening their security. I mean, so, uh, Robert mentioned about managed service providers, and he educate, educates them. Again, it's an investment. So if you've been in business for 10 years, you just have to go back 10 years and rebuild process. It's almost easier to start a managed service provider today and have your processes with security in mind than go back 10 years and turn your business upside down. I think that's what a lot of managed service providers or IT providers are you know, questioning because it's it's changing the mindset of a of a traditional IT engineer to doing things in a more uh, a more secure manner, in essence, and following a different protocol. So, would you say then, in this new normal, as I'm using the the, the, the finger things there, um, would you say that as we talk through this? Um, Everybody in the security business has all been out to RSA. We've all seen that world. Um, and, and for me, I find as security thought leaders for CompTIA, for me, it's important to 
be able to show our community that we're thinking about best bang for the security buck, right? You can spend millions of dollars, especially if you're a large enterprise trying to secure yourself. So um, I remember on one of our last calls, Vince, you and I were talking about not just best bang for the security buck, but risk versus reward. Where, where do we, when we start to play that risk mitigation game, right? Yeah. So can you talk a little bit to our, our, our listeners about how we can get potentially the best bang for the security buck, what we need to do in the shorter term, and how we could mitigate some of the risk. And, and again, other guys, feel free to jump in as well. Sure. Yeah, as a, as a, a fast-growing kind of tech startup in the security space, I like to joke that the most important thing that you need to have to, to keep growing as a security company today is a very, very big marketing budget. Um, so I think you know marketing and sales has historically tended to trump everything. Um, which is a big problem if you're just trying to figure out how to make it work for your customers. And I think a lot of the solutions out there tend to be over-engineered. We start with this mindset of what works for the largest of the companies, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan, and how do we dumb it down for everybody else? And that reverse engineering approach just does not work for everybody. And so, you know, as I look at what's happening in the world, especially with an MSP focus, there's, a, there's an evolutionary cycle that's happening, even taking COVID-19 out of it. And that evolutionary cycle is, you know, over the course of the next couple of years, if you don't have security and risk management embedded in your practice, you are going to lose business to, to, to people that are, right? That, that is an evolution that is happening in this market, and you can put your head down and ignore it, and you will lose your customers. And so how do you start to engage security as a service provider? Um, and, and I think that is where you start to think about risk versus reward. I, I always say the punchline at the end of the joke for all the technologists and security is it's boring old risk management. What's, what are the risks you have? What are the threats? What's the likelihood? What's the impact? And how do you look at your customers and say, where's the biggest bang for my buck? And in some places, it may be clicking and turning on two-factor authentication just because it makes phishing all that much harder. If we're relying on education and training to prevent phishing, God help us, right? It's not going to work. People are always going to click that freaking link. Two-factor helps. It doesn't solve anything, but it reduces the risk. Um, as we look at what people have had to do with COVID, like we have scrambled, every MSP we've ever worked with uh, is very customer focused. They care about their customers because it's a personal relationship. Um, and they have scrambled alongside of their customers to make things work. So I guarantee you every MSP out there has made decisions that are against security to make business work in this COVID-19 crisis. And so the focus for me now, thinking about risk management, thinking about the path forward, is let's think about the decisions we've had to make to keep business running. Let's get past the reactionary, get to the rational and intentional approach and saying, what are the things we need to change in terms of how our customers do business? And maybe a key step to that is remote access, right? Because now you can start to get better visibility. Um, let's think about uh, things in terms of the mobile platform that our people are using. If people are using things like Office 365 with two-factor and you have good logging in place, now that's that's a great improvement. If you don't have some of the advanced security features turned on there, that's an easy way to get some some added bang for the buck there. Um, so, you know, that's it's not a specific answer, but I think what has to happen uh, for every MSP out there is you've got to start thinking rationally about bolting on security across the business processes and thinking about you know again the new normal construct. What is security like when it's embedded as a part of what you do every day? So to add to that, um, so what I see to some extent is we still have to have protection, right? 
you, you've got to stay resilient to some extent, two-factor, et cetera, et cetera. That protects you. Um, you should have some kind of awareness and visibility, right, as to what's going on in your environment. Um, lastly, let's talk about data for a second. I would propose that most people in, the, in a company don't know where all their data is, right? So, so um, um, Robert, do you guys do any, and, and Kevin, from a customer perspective, do you guys do any data assessment? Do you guys do any data understanding? To do because because I mean, if you think about it, how many dupli duplicative um, Excel spreadsheets are out there? How much customer data is in the wild? How much IP is circulating? Right? How do we know where it is? Right? So we've got this protective side, which is protecting our company being up, available, and ready for work, as it were. Right? And then we have this data mystique, so data management and data control. And then the last side, which is, I think, that, that um, visibility and awareness, where you're spending your time to track down what may or may not be going wrong in your organization or how data is being expelled, et cetera. So those three things, you can put a lot of technologies in those buckets. You can put a lot of services in those buckets. Um, if you can give our, our listeners maybe a way, understanding, Robert, what you guys do in that way. <laughs> Without giving a ticket sauce, obviously. <laughs> wow, Mark. I, I was like, okay, three questions. Am I, keep, am I tracking with them to get all three of these? Oh, okay, you're a smart guy. You got this. Yeah, no worries. So we don't get into the actual what data is where, right? Like if you had to with your uh, – GDPR or, you know, the new California Act of understanding where it's at, who has access, and those things. We, we, when we get those requests from partners or clients, we just bring in a specialized resource. What we do is we provide really advanced services in two places, on the endpoint and, again, at the edge or the whatever the new edge is. Now, why is that? When you start talking about where data is, to me, it's interesting well how can it be accessed so you know we really advocate a philosophy of total visibility reduce the attack surface stop known threats prevent unknown threats and automation with human validation when you have the conversation around total visibility that's being aware of all the applications that are present in your environment and when we assist our partners doing their you know, initial security assessment with the clients, we'll, we'll basically run a inventory or an assessment that'll catalog the entire environment. And so where it's applicable here is when we prepare the MSP for that conversation, it's like, okay, Mr. Customer, you have G Drive, OneDrive, ShareDrive, you know, eight different collaboration tools. And is there any oversight or any clarity on what data is leaving the business via these collaboration tools. And they're at, we're yet to come across an instance where it is. So that's an example. Another example is remote access tools, right? There's log me in, screen connect, go to my PC, all these, you know, different tools. And are they sanctioned? Are they not sanctioned? And so where we focus and help our partners is, is in driving that visibility to be able to uncover what's actually present in the environment so they can have the conversation around access, who has access and so forth. So does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the CompTIA BizTech podcast. For more information on CompTIA membership, communities, and councils, visit comptia.org slash membership. If you enjoyed this podcast, the greatest compliment you can give us is subscribing, sharing, and liking the broadcast. 